Hey, this is James Ellis from the Talent Cast Podcast, and you're listening to the Chad and Cheese Podcast. So perhaps treat this message like an intervention. Why are you doing this to yourself? You have so much to live for. Why would you waste your time here, of all places? Hide your kids. Lock the doors. You're listening to HR's most dangerous podcast. Chad Sowash and Joel Cheeseman are here to punch the recruiting industry right where it hurts. Complete with breaking news, brash opinion, and loads of snark. Buckle up, boys and girls. It's time for the Chad and Cheese Podcast. Andrea. Yo, what's up, everybody? This is the Chad and Cheese Podcast. I'm your co-host, Joel Cheeseman. And I'm Chad. I love matching so wash. Uh, it's a Monday, so we're just waking up from a beautiful weekend uh, here in the Midwest. We are happy to be joined today by newly acquired Opening.io founder, Andrea Wade, but currently Portfolio Director of AI and Machine Learning. I hope I got that right. It's a new title. And iSIM's CTO, Al Smith. Guys, gals, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So Al's a part of the witness. I just so we get into this real quick. Al's a part of the witness protection program. Hence his name, Al Smith. Very simple, <laughs> you know, hard to find. There are so many of them, right? Yeah. It's actually, it's actually based on what I'm capable of remembering. And it's a name. <laughs> remember, so. Speaking of preppers. <laughs> Joel just mentioned, Andrea, that you are the AI ML portfolio manager. Okay, so so what the hell does that mean? What do you do? Is this new? Is this something entirely new? Or has ISIMS had this for a while? Um, so the role of portfolio director, it's something that ISIMS um, had for a while for various different areas of their business. And I, I, know, I know that Al will be able to give a, a better answer in relation to that. Uh, my role... Um, I mean, you know, you kind of know what, what, what we did. Um, we're very much, we always were an R&D led company. So we want to continue to do more of that. We want to uh, uh, grow and build, uh, you know, ISIM's talent logic. Um, and then we want to further imagine the future. So we'll, we'll just keep uh, R&Ding here and, and doing loads of cool stuff. Yeah. So look, I'll piggyback on that. So our portfolio directors kind of own the business strategy and the investment strategy for a particular space for us. And so, uh, you know, broadly, you know, we participate with solutions in a variety of different parts of the market. We ask the portfolio director to understand how big that is, who's the competition, how much could we address, how much to invest, um, and, you know, what would we bring to market when? And set out a vision of what that kind of value is and the solution is. And then product managers uh, and paired with an engineering manager bring those products to market. So uh, in many ways, consistent with what Andrea was doing as the co-founder for opening. So I uh, feel like it's a pretty good fit. A lot of our listeners don't know opening, uh, don't know the genesis of it. It was founded in 2015. And Andrea, you're a, you're a marketing media uh person. How in the hell did you get into this business of machine learning and AI back in 2015? Yeah, I mean, no background in the industry, but we felt it. Um, you know, we, we were candidates and hiring managers. And I had, you know, this was my uh, this was to become my fourth company, I guess. And I used to be a journalist and I used to be a product manager and I had a, a branding company and all these kind of things. But there was one 
I guess it, 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 you know, everything came together by my passion of just without a, a focus and an agenda of bringing good people together. I used to just because I get involved and I got involved in a lot of the, the, the tech scene here, I kind of ended up being the person who nearly knew everyone and I would just match people together. I would go, what are you trying to do? Talk to that person and so on. And 2015 comes and, uh, you know, I get very, very interested at that stage. I had another company I get very interested in data and AI and ML. And I start talking to my co-founder, Adrian, who, who just moved here in Ireland. I mean, I've been here 18 years and, and he moved here kind of then. And as product people, as data people, as a process that he just went through at that stage and something that I felt as, as a person who was hiring people, we started looking at the industry and we started playing with classical machine learning. It was weekends and afternoons and just for about eight, nine months. We looked around at this industry that we're completely clueless around, but the vision from day one was, surely there has to be a better way for someone to understand my CV. So it is interesting because your your background is not in, in this industry. Why do you think you succeeded where all of these other industry in, insiders generally really just have to eject? Yeah. And by the way, the matching space, a little bit crowded. Yes. <laughs> Yes, but we were naive and clueless and we had a vision, right? And you don't, if you want to start something and go, ah, these are all, you You can very quickly find all the reasons why you shouldn't, right? So we had right. questions. And I think the key, like when you were asking me this question, the key was that we had the questions and we asked as many people as possible from all sides of the industries. Talk to job boards, talk to ATSs, talk to CRMs, talk to recruitment agencies, talk to RPO, talk to everyone who would give me half an hour or be an Adrian or, or whatever. We literally, because we felt we, we were so self-conscious that we did not know and uh, maybe understand this industry that we just continuously learned. And we asked everyone the same question 50 times. And I think that was really key because we tried to understand it. And then what we did have was we were pretty good, you know, product people. Um, and we imagined things in ways that we saw good product being built, uh, but not in this industry, like literally good product being built. Yeah. And I'd like to say just what I've seen from from you guys and watching you through the, you know, this time frame, you had amazing focus as well. It didn't seem like you guys were looking to pivot five or six different times to try to no. quote unquote reinvent. So yeah. that that seemed your your discipline seemed to be there where in most cases it, most of those companies coming in, startups, they just don't have that discipline. Yes, the the company that they were during deathmatch uh, a year ago is the same company that they are today. And I'll yeah. put a plug in there that she was a deathmatch winner because that's always awesome too. <laughs> oh like. yeah. Um, Andrea, you focus a lot. Uh, you, you have a, a tight relationship with, with Microsoft. I believe you're using their AI, uh, their translation products and others. Yeah. I want to ask you about that relationship and what it's meant and how how that might segue with iSIM's recent integration with Microsoft and how maybe all of these worlds are colliding for a future acquisition. I mean, for us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got that in there. 
I'm just going to talk from my perspective and then I'll let Al add to it. Look, for us, it was really important. And I guess from day one, my, you know, we're in Ireland and Ireland is small and Microsoft had a really cool team on the ground that was talking to startups. And these two guys, I'm, I'm not even in my opening role. I'm kind of mentoring at a hackathon in Galway. And I get approached by these guys and they go, you know, we're here to support this hackathon. And, you know, we're from Microsoft and we want to do all these things. Uh, and I know that you're here as a mentor, but I kind of I'm curious about what you're building. And, you know, long story short, we meet at different at different events and they go, we really, really, really want to support you. And I have to say that the way that they have, and at the same time, we were talking to to various different other large corporates as well that had these startup uh, initiatives. But Microsoft felt real for many reasons. And it wasn't just, you know, use this technology to do A, B, and C. Uh, it was more let us talk about you. You know, what can we do for you? Let us build, put together a few videos. Let us, you know, uh, support you with marketing. Let us wow. sell you. Let it, all this. And it just felt okay. very real. <laughs> and it just, it felt like they knew what they were doing and their approach was legit. I mean, we got to meet Peggy Johnson. Um, Peggy Johnson, who bought LinkedIn for Microsoft uh, about a couple of years ago, um, came to Ireland uh, because Microsoft has in Ireland their first building that they own outside of the US. And Peggy Johnson came over and uh, our Taoiseach, so the, the prime minister here in, in, in Ireland, our Taoiseach, uh, was there and they were talking. And then uh, the MD of Microsoft here picked four uh, AI startups to meet Peggy and we had an hour with her. So we had various different supports. Um, that went outside of Ireland into MIA and EMEA. Um, and it was real, you know, it was real and legit. And so coming together with iSIMS, I mean, I've learned uh, when I first uh, met iSIMS in 2017, uh, I think it was a week after I got to meet them um, uh, in the States uh, was when they announced, you know, that Microsoft is a client. And in the last, you know, the announcements in the last month or so um, and our talks pre-acquisition, it just seemed that there was a common vision there as well with what we're um, trying to do. But I'll let um, Al explain more what iSIMS and Microsoft are doing. And, uh, you know, we still have our network and we're working really hard to do uh, do more with them. Yeah, look, I'll take a, a swag at this. So I think, uh, uh, you know, you guys know Microsoft's been an important customer of ours for years. And uh, we've been always trying to look for opportunities when our customers have parts of their business that overlap or channel to try to go to market together. And that's why the dynamics acquisition or integration made a lot of sense um, and, and working with them. And you guys also know that we've been on a hunt to make sure that uh, our talent solutions integrate with all the best HCMs and also to make sure that we're a you know platform of choice as the HCMs look to actually address customers that have serious uh, talent needs. So that th that's kind of enough to think about it. But as Andrea said, when I first met Opening and learned about how they've approached the problem set, I think both of you, we, we've probably had a couple of meetings over the last couple of years talking about AI and ML. And I've been a pretty big fan of saying, look, it's an early market. Let's not just go rush in. I want to get in to make sure that as we build things, they're explainable. It's transparent. Um, you know, it's human led. Um, the idea that it should help you with context to a set of decisions you're doing, 
Yes, it can set up some automations for you, but it shouldn't be this black box that just bing, here's the answer. You know, one, uh, there's all kinds of reasons why um, you, you may not have the right answer. Uh, number one. Number two, uh, you know, when we get into, and I think it's something you all know, ISIM has always been really careful around data privacy and security and compliance, and the, the black box model just doesn't work. And when we met uh, Andre and Andri- Adrian, you know, we just saw a company that had focused on building not just a bunch of algorithms, but a platform and a platform that actually strove to deliver the explainability and the transparency around the decisions and going past just match. And, and that's some of the stuff that I, you know really got us excited thinking about the future. Match is great, don't get me wrong, uh, but, but there's so much more past that. So We did notice the Freudian slip you said acquisition there, Al. Uh, we're talking about <laughs> Microsoft. Microsoft and iSims, just so that you knew that we uh, we caught that. Uh, no, but Al, Al, you know, I'm a big fan of the prospect, and we have talked about AI and, and, and ML over the over the years in matching. And I remember in Arizona at iSims Influence late last year, I spoke with a few of iSims leaders, and you guys talked about a quote-unquote jibe matching engine. What happened to that? I mean, this was, it was interesting, and, and it was really great to see that you guys obviously going through the acquisition process with, with opening, but were there a lot of kind of like skunk works things happening at iSims, and then you just thought, Hell, we, we just need to go out and buy well, this. No, actually, it's a continuity, right? So opening had actually landed Jive as a customer, and part of the Jive matching engine used some of opening's technology, and that was actually how we got the introduction. So the good news, ah. the good news, the continuity goes all the way through. Uh, now, we, there's other technology that you know sits around that. We we do believe that right now the way these different models get developed and different algorithms get trained that just relying on a single solution uh, doesn't always give you the best outcome. And so we've taken this kind of uh, ensemble strategy on search match problems where we feed a set of data into three different models simultaneously. One of those obviously is opening and then look at how well the model gives you a result set and serve up the best fit for the situation. It's like a bake-off, right? Yeah, almost. You know, the, the one thing I think that got us really excited about openings technology is they do a fantastic job when there's sparse data. You know, I have just a little bit of data. Maybe it's from an application or only bits of data. I don't have a full CV or something else. Uh, some of the other technology models that we use can do a good job when they're doing their lower level parsing when there's a lot of data. Uh, but uh, so many of the industries ISIM serves, that data isn't rich and deep about the candidates that you're trying to find. And uh, uh, we love the balance that that brings to a full solution. It always gets us excited. And then, by the way, you guys... Um, I I think this is very consistent with what we discussed uh, last fall. We'll get back to the interview in a minute. But first, we have a question for Andy Katz, COO of Next. What kinds of companies should be leveraging programmatic? Every Fortune 1000 company out there, anybody with extreme volume of jobs, you're recruiting for 20 positions a year, you don't need programmatic. You can go to a recruitment marketing agency or a job board and do a direct email with your company only. You're not in with another 20 uh, companies in a job alert, or you're not just on a career site or a job board. You could do banner advertising, buy premium placements. So 
where programmatic, again, is one piece of the puzzle. It's not going to ever be the end-all, be-all. And I do believe all the programmatic uh, platforms out there have ancillary services to support that, knowing that you can't just survive on a one-trick pony. For more information, go to hiring.next.com. Remember, that's next with the double X, not the triple X. Hiring.next.com. Curious um, question for both of you, I guess. Brand architecture. You know, Al, when you guys typically acquire a company, whether it be Text Recruit, Jibe, um, et cetera, they, they tend to be sort of standalone brands for a while, and then they eventually get sort of sucked in, I guess, to the iSIMS brand. Um, I noticed that Andrea is no longer, you know, associated with opening in terms of her title. What's going to happen to the opening brand? Um, are there integrations out there uh, with other services that will be um, impacted by a brand change if there is going to be one? Talk about sort of the future of the brand and how it's going to integrate with iSIMS, if at all. Great question. Uh, so a couple things. One is those different acquisitions we've done have had different contexts. Um, when we did text recruit, the, the actual plan was to leave them independent for a very long period of time. Uh, for a variety of reasons. One was we were trying to explore how we bring customers into the portfolio in a standalone sale and then cross-sell other products to them as a solution. Uh, with Jive, it was a much quicker, you know, the Jive employees became ISIMS employees day one, and, and we moved pretty quickly to incorporate it into the portfolio as our recruitment marketing suite. Uh, I think with opening, we're moving even faster. It's a different sale in what Andrea and Adrian were doing themselves to other people who were embedding their technology. We'll continue to support that, uh, you know, and offer that. But right away, what we thought would add the most uh, velocity was give a brand to the solution. And so we chose iSIMS Talent Logic as the brand name from day one um, and literally announced the acquisition with the brand name of the, of the, uh, the product suite that uh, the technology is delivering on. And we thought, honestly, it's part of us just learning how to do that better. Um, and it, it kind of speeds the time for everybody to just, you know, be able to understand where it fits and how it brings value. I want to jump into something that, that you said a little bit earlier, Al. Opening.io, or now Isom's Talent Logic, can do better matching with less information. And from the website, it says accurately match candidates with relevant roles. I would assume that you both agree that job descriptions still suck. Dude, can I get a yes no, or an yeah. amen from you? <laughs> yes. Okay. So, Hell yeah. If you're working on garbage data mm-hmm. and it's garbage in, garbage out, how do you make how do you make something good out of that? Because yeah. we've been trying to get the industry to move toward better data. Data, better job descriptions, and they still suck. And you have to you have to churn off of that data. How do you make that work? I'll take a stab at it, and Andrea, maybe I'll hand off to you. But a, a couple of things that really appeal to us, and and not to get too far out there, but I think you guys have been following our industry for a very long time, much longer than myself. It, what is very obvious, I, I joined uh, ISIMS five years ago, and I was new to the industry. It, it largely looks like an automation of a paper process that relies on um, an awful lot of subjective decision-making with very little context. And, you know, Andrea made a reference to the point that, you know, in Adrian's personal experience that kind of spurred this whole thing was he applied at a company, didn't get anywhere, you know, months later went to a headhunter who placed him very highly in the company and they hire him and they're delighted about it at their own cost, right? 
And it's the ultimate, hey, what's wrong with this process kind of thing. Um, so we're going to try to use the technology that they've developed and we're building and continuing to invest in around making a shift as opposed to a you know, lousy job description to a very poorly fit and exact keywords matches. And then the magic of somebody's years of experience to have a feel about this candidate. Look, that can work at small scale and in certain industries, but on the scale, large scale, it falls apart. What we're really looking to do is help with better job descriptions, help with understanding what, you know, what does a good performer look like in this job today? What are the kind of successes and derived, you know, experiences that they have Use some of that when you're looking for people that, hey, I, I really like Chad. I really do. But I like four more Chads. Sorry, Joel. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, sorry, Joel. I, you know, I had to go there. And, uh, so if I was looking for four more Chads, what, what is it that I'm looking for when somebody comes to apply for something? So we see the ability to use the technology that Andrea and Adrian put together here as a start that we start going from candidate search to role fit kind of moving, these are subtle statements, but moving from just, you know, uh, uh, it's a search, enterprise search to talent discovery. You may have the people you need right in your company. So uh, a lot of exciting things that we're, we're looking at what comes next. Yeah, absolutely. And if we can add here um, two things, we already have tech, you know, uh, like um, skill extraction and skill recommendation uh, technology. So run this job through the engine, we'll pick out three skills and we will tell you, uh, you know, why don't you add in another 10 or 15 or 20 skills? But also, um, and we have this, right, and it's in production and, and, and it can be used to enrich both resumes or, or poor job descriptions. But to go back to Al's point around our tech working on very small bits, you know, pieces of data, this is because we don't just look at what you give us. We look at it in the context of, every, a context of everything else. So if you tell us, here's, I'm hiring for this, we will immediately link that with the universe of skills that we have and we go here this is where we this is what we think you're asking us uh right and it's really uh, the example that i can give is asking me telling me that you have a headache and me telling you to take a pill or taking an aspirin or asking a doctor telling a doctor that you have a headache and and she will immediately probably tell you 50 things that you might have because she studied for many many years and you know our engine has studied and and understands when you say blah it goes i think it can mean all these things but absolutely like really good question and that's something that we learned as we were discovering this process i mean you know you you can't you can't search with this data it means nothing and we even went and i'll just say this and then i'll i'll, I'll stop talking about this we've actually we put we put poorly put together job descriptions or very vague uh, job ads or job descriptions back in front of recruiters that they were hiring for those roles. Mm -hmm. And we asked them, we, we, we kind of hid the title, but we left everything else. And we said, tell us what is this for? And they couldn't tell us. <laughs> Big surprise, right? So, I mean, Al, yes, obviously everybody wants four chads, but the problem there... <laughs> <laughs> is that that humans humans are biased and four chads means i just hired four white dudes right we, we talk about ai we talk about bias how can talent logic or how can the new tech today broad scope 
actually focus on being unbiased when you're using all this biased human data. I mean, it's all historical. It's all things that we've done before, but it's all laden with bias. How do you get through that? Thanks for for bringing this one up. This is so important to us, uh, probably never more so than what's going on in the world today. I think a a couple things, when we stand back and look at the problem. I, I, I personally think we're approaching it from the wrong direction as an industry. We, we keep talking, and you just used the words, how do we avoid the bias? How do we avoid the bias? Look, there are some mm-hmm. things we should be very careful with when we train algorithms with data around what we think the likely outcome is going to be, because these algorithms at the end of the day are all designed for effectiveness and efficiency and do more of what you ask it to do. And so I think some of the big, very visible, very big blowups around having things trying to match and having an unexpected bias um, is shouldn't be as shocking because, you know, whether it's in your data, whether it's in your process steps, whether it's in uh, other things that were unintentionally included um, I think this is what algorithms will always kind of bring to the surface. I, I want to kind of flip the thought on its head. I think when I go out and talk to CHROs and the heads of talent, the, the first conversation is, you know, if you're trying to build a winning workforce made up of diversity and inclusion, and every business study that says the more diverse, the more inclusive your, your workforce is, the more likely you're going to be a successful company. The first starting point is how diverse is your workforce? And do you have the to help mm-hmm. figure that out. Uh, we think we have the basis of some of that capability, what you know the opening team has brought us to help you first of all assess that. You know, we have we have a fair number of our customers who keep all their existing employees in the ATS as a function of, you know, their best next employee might be um, in, an existing employee. Um, and so helping understand, you know, how diverse your current workforce is and then looking where you may be out of balance of what your goals might be. Can I use this technology to then go address the gaps, address the weaknesses and have it help me do that in a more automated fashion so that the outcome I'm trying to get to is actually the one of the the model that I think fits the business, the company I'm trying to run. I think there the technology can be excellent. And it's because you're using the converse, which is go find me folks that match this. And again, with sparse data, mm-hmm. we can do a really thorough of these folks might be those people. Let's consider them where in the past you might not have because it was a knockout. I, I know many of our customers talk about knockout questions. How about you think about it the other way and what are the inclusive questions? And then how do you get a representative pool of what it is you think the outcome looks to be? So those are some of the ways we're looking at doing it differently and how we go forward. This one's uh, for Andre. I'll let you guys uh, let you on on this one. Um, I'm going to assume that you had more than one company uh, in the running to buy or acquire opening. Just the fact that you won Deathmatch meant that you had a flood of suitors trying to buy the company. Oh yeah. What was it about? Easily. What was it about iSims that <laughs> really drew you to the organization, the people, the opportunity? Um, why iSims out of the many suitors that I'm sure you had? Uh, why iSims? Uh, period. <laughs> and you're well, taking too long to answer. I can put my fingers <laughs> in my ears. <laughs> <laughs> For many reasons, right? Um, and some of them are stories that I've told internally um, uh, to our new iSIMS colleagues uh, in the first couple of weeks of us being part of the company. And it's a story that started, uh, as we kind of touched on a few minutes ago, with us integrating with Jive as well. 
with really liking um, Jibe and the people in, in, in Jibe, just feeling that we've made new friends in the industry and good people and allies and partners that we can count on. When they uh, um, uh, were acquired, we literally celebrated. And I still, and I actually don't think I've said this to, to Al or anyone. We were so happy for Jibe. And I've actually said to Adrian that, why are we so happy? It feels like we got acquired. Um, (laughs) so that was kind of and it was it was a road of we saw a company that saw us because there is you know a lot of uh, there was a lot of noise in the industry and and as you guys said as well you know there are so many players within matching but we knew why we were good and we knew what we had and we were waiting uh in a way for for that home for everything that we built so we found a company that saw us we found people that we really, really like. We saw that ambition and that really exciting, where is this going to go next, which I am really excited about. And then we already had people in there that we knew and that we liked and that liked us. And I guess, you know, the vision and where the company is going next and how, that was very, very exciting for both me and Adrian and also for, for, the, for the team. Well, Andrea, I have to say that when you do visit iSIMS or they visit you, any of those friends, uh, you'd better be wearing that chain of champions, okay? Because that... uh, (laughs) Yes, sir. So Al Al and Andrea, thank you so much for giving uh, us your time. If people want to find out more about iSIMS Talent Logic, uh, a.k.a. opening.io now, Isim's Talent Logic, where would you send them? Yeah, real easily. It's, uh, you know, www.isims.com and uh, you'll find it right on the page. Excellent, guys. And with that, we, we out. We out. This has been the Chat and Cheese Podcast. Subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss a single show. And be sure to check out our sponsors because they make it all possible. For more, visit chadcheese.com. Oh yeah, you're welcome. The Jim Stroud Podcast explores the discoveries and trends forming the future of our lives. Brain-to-brain communication, robot bosses, microchip implants for workers, and artificial intelligence replacing human workers are all happening now. If you want to know what's happening next, subscribe now to the Jim Stroud Podcast.